Today's guest is Matthias Bordeaux. We have Matthias coming all the way from Quebec, Canada. So we've got a 10-hour time difference here today. Welcome to the show, Matthias. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Glad to be there. Looking forward to our chat today. You and I, we've known each other a few years now. Uh, we've used your product, which we'll talk a bit more about later today. Of course, that product being Studio Bods BLT. Studio Bods being the company that you own and run, and BLT, which stands for Build License Track, a great tool for deploying LabVIEW applications around the world. And we use it exclusively with one of our customers uh, here, here in Australia. And um, geez, it's, it's a, a time saver. So I can't wait to talk a bit more about that in a little while. But first of all, let's start with a bit of your background. But I'd like to find out a bit more about what problems do you and your customers face? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, definitely the typical projects we have at StudioBots is uh, there is kind of two main different type of projects. It's uh, large project management software. Uh, so involving a lot of databases, document tracking, web services, uh, so those are large desktop applications used by, com by company to to manage their daily work. So managing projects, kind of a near piece software. So all, all that is done with LabVIEW. And I have a big base, customer base uh, who uh, hire studio bots for this type of applications. So that so you that's all done in LabVIEW. That's all done in LabVIEW. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And because that's not your typical platform for the, that sort of application area, is it? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've always feel like I was a, 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 a mutant uh, uh, somewhere wired in the LabVIEW ecosystem because where LabVIEW is usually uh, used for test and measurement uh, systems. Uh, uh, you know, for me, LabVIEW is first a programming language. That's how I like to write software. And my customers uh, hire StudioBuds for, uh, they don't know anything about test measurement engineering. They work like mostly in the construction area. And what they need is right. a desktop application that runs all over the company and is able to maintain their projects for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, definitely in this type of applications, we need to work with, uh, uh, this is growing companies, so the needs evolve very, very quickly. There is always new requirements and mm. things that they wanted a couple months uh, ago, they need something else now. And, you know, it, it's normal, it pa it's part of the process. So we need to deal with something that uh, evolves, uh, is able to uh, scale quickly and easily. Uh, right. So a lot of distinct modules and plugins that always augment the application as we move forward. Uh, and so how long have you been working in that space? Uh, since the beginning of Studio Buds. So uh, Studio Buds uh, was born in 2007. And uh, at the beginning, maybe not at the very beginning, but since 2010, I have three big customers that uh, generate, you know, more than half of the, the business of Studio Buds. And mm. This is this type of project. And I have these customers since the beginning, uh, the, the very beginning. So more than 10 years now we work together. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a good firm customer base there now. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, the, the other part is more the regular LabVIEW type of applications. Uh, uh, StudioBots has a very good reputation in, in the Quebec province in the area. So uh, we have a big industry in the optical, medical, um, defense as well and uh, yes. they need you know like other industries uh, automated test systems so we got hired for uh, doing this this type of projects as well involving many hardware protocols tests what is your p the percentage balance in terms of where you spend your time between your erp and probably around uh, 60 to 70 percent erp and and 30% more typical LabVIEW stuff. Uh, I would say, say also since the past years, uh, LabVIEW and XG web module is taking a bigger part in uh, our business. Um, we are able to use this uh, in a lot of projects that, uh, for, with, uh, for with the customers we already do ERP type software. Mm, so now yes. they want to bring also their management system to the web, to the employees, manage uh, timesheets, uh, things like that. So um, LabVIEW and XJ is, is taking a significant part of the, the business, uh, maybe at this time uh, getting close to 15-20% of the projects uh, in, in the right. past two years. Yeah, I, I was about to ask you about that. So a lot of these ERP customers are coming back now and, and what traditionally it had been a desktop sort of arrangement, but now you're very much heading towards the cloud, I presume. Yeah, so... Uh, it's um, you know in in the office in the company office where you have most of the employees uh, work mm -hmm. managing the project, uh, a desktop application is is still very pertinent. Uh, it's a lot easier to talk with you know scanners, printers, local uh, local hardware uh, that uh, that also help managing the the, uh, the business. Uh, you know. Uh, we do a lot of document generation, contract generation with the Microsoft Office report generation toolkit. Uh, so pretty much our customers don't need to write the contract. It's generated based on some data you enter for, the, for your client. Uh, yes. So all, okay. all this type of stuff is still very pertinent in a desktop application running on Windows. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, when you're right to say that everything is going more and more to the cloud and uh, especially, uh, so I work mostly in the construction area. So we have workers in the field and those workers before they were writing all the data, the timesheets, the, the, the data about the, uh, what they do daily at, at, uh, on the field uh, on sheets. And uh, at the end of the day, they return the sheet and it gets processed into the software. So now we are kind of eliminating this, uh, this extra step where the, the worker can immediately enter all the data on a tablet or on his phone and uh, it gets populated direct, uh, directly in, into the database and accessible mm. at the office within the, the desktop application. So here, LabVIEW and XG and the web module has been really uh, uh, really helpful to help maintaining all the development at StudioBuds because we had these needs before, but we had to subcontract to professional web developers. Uh, yeah, or so, get an app developer or something like that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So now we yeah. can do all this with LabVIEW. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we at Wired In, we've just started our first LabVIEW NXG web-based um, application. And, and yeah, the 
it's unlimited what you can what we can do with it and where we can go with it. So we're really excited. Um, yeah, it's and in fact, we, when we first sat down to work out how to do it, Matthias, we found your NI Week video. I think it's from two thousand and nineteen. Nineteen, yeah, uh, yeah. I gave it to Jeff uh, Brown as well. Yeah, and you talked about a, a web NXG based app with databases, and so we, the last project we've just done, we took that video and went right. Let's learn everything about what Matthias has done there, and it's and it's turned out really well. So. Thank you for uh, doing that NI Week presentation. I'm really glad it helps. And uh, regarding this uh, specific presentation, I got a lot of feedback from people. Oh, that's exactly what I need. What I need to do. What I want to do. And yeah. I just look at your presentation, took the code, and I was able to reuse it uh, almost uh, as is. So uh, I'm always glad to hear this kind of commands because it was the purpose. I, I try to always give the code and and. You make a copy paste and you 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 change as you need and uh, yeah uh, this presentation has a lot uh, had a lot of success yeah has a lot of yeah. success still In incredibly incredibly helpful that one because it's pretty it's pretty new not too many people are doing this yet I, I think in a couple of years time everyone will be doing it but right now um, it's pretty new <clears throat> yeah I and had the chance to have some customers that you know needed a big web development at the time it. it came out as a usable uh, usable uh, thing, part of NXG. And uh, so I was like, okay, I, I know this customer enough. So uh, if, if it doesn't work as it should with NXG, I can turn in another direction and it's going to be fine with the customer. I will have enough time. So I had my back and it was the perfect opportunity for me to, to really try the, the project. So as well, I was really part of the uh, early adopters of NXJ web module and part of the yeah. uh, web lead user group. And uh, I also had the chance to suggest many features and improvements that uh, got implemented uh, since uh, uh, since then. We are now at uh, NXG 5.0 and mm. uh, I can mm. see a lot of features that I specifically requested. <laughs> Now, can I ask, is one of those, um, you can have a password type string control? Because we noticed in NXG4, that wasn't there, but in NXG5, it was. And I'm just wondering, is that one of the ideas? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the ideas. And uh, so I provide a workaround in my uh, presentation. Uh, and it, it's a workaround you can use for other things, but you can use native web controls, uh, part of LabVIEW. And of course, the password field is one of the native, but for, for date, timestamp, etc., this trick might, might still be uh, useful. Yeah, excellent. Um, now... I'm starting to worry that um, this whole web NXG conversation is going to hijack the whole conversation. But I have one more question regarding this, and that is, I'm curious to know whether you've been able to set up a, uh, an NXG web-based application um, running on a an Azure or or, or some some similar cloud platform. So. Uh, like in a container we, instance or something. Yeah, we we so. In in the real life, it pretty much uh, always go into a Windows server running Microsoft IIS uh, or Apache, so a full server 
capable server. Uh, but definitely with the links toolkit that uh, got uh, revamped as part of the LabVIEW 2020 Community Edition, mm -hmm. uh, you can now uh, run uh, web services uh, and websites. So the, you can run a web server on a Raspberry Pi or BeagleBone, this kind of tiny device that you can buy for yes. $30. Uh, so more as part of a home automation project, I'm also running uh, NXC Web VIs and LabVIEW Web Services on the Raspberry Pi 4. Uh, I've got mine here to have a go at it too. Yep. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it works great for this, this kind of application where you know you're not going to have thousands of simultaneous connections. Uh, it's really great. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, so how does DQMH help all this? Now, obviously, DQMH doesn't run in web, web in, um, in the LabVIEW NXG environment, but how does DQMH help your solutions? Uh, I would say first DQMH uh, brings uh, standardization. Uh, for us, it's really the, the big point. Uh, by adopting a framework, it allows you to do things always the same way. And uh, it's it's a lot easier than to bring external contractors or other developers uh, as part of the yeah. project. Um, the testability and the reusability then are the, the big points of DQMH. Uh, again, you have a framework, you try to use that same framework in all the different places of your application. DQMH comes with a built-in API tester that you have to maintain up-to-date always. Uh, so having this ability to uh, take a, a single component and uh, be able to always test it in different scenarios, uh, it's great. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, we, we found out that a lot of modules we initially developed for a single project, we were able to reuse it for uh, other projects. So again, by using a standard framework that we know works, we know it's maintained, it's supported, it gets new features, it's well tested, it's well adopted you feel a lot more confident to invest a little bit more to make the code reusable across projects. And definitely, it, 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 it was a winner decision uh, because there is a lot of codes that without a standardized framework inside the company, we will always try to, oh yeah, I, I, can, I can do a better way, so let's rewrite it, and you rewrite, and you rewrite, and we don't yeah. do this anymore. We just improve what we've already done inside yeah. the same DQMH framework. <clears throat> that's 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 great. I, I, I think it takes a, a year or two to get to that point, doesn't it? You, you don't get to see that reusability straight away, but when you are at that point, it really comes back. It pays. It pays you back, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then you're like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, I should. I should make this code open source because it's really great. Now I've used it in ten different projects, so I know it's mm. good. So, and uh, I think it, uh, I'm just thinking to that. But it it will at some point probably help uh, the community as well because people will be more comfortable and willing to to share this code to to other because again it's it's uh, it, it's built into a standard framework uh, so you know other people are going to be able to read they are not going to judge oh why did he did he use this kind of architecture etc no he used DQMH and it's used by many many LabVIEW developers around the yeah. world so. Uh, maybe uh, the, the fear of judgment at other people looking at your code will uh, will go away uh, 
with that. Yeah, I think I think DQMH is at that maturity already. Um, mm, absolutely, and plenty of people are using it in the community. Um, it's quite accepted and well known now. Um, uh, there's not too many LabVIEW programmers that don't know DQMH. Um, so, and if they don't, then listen to this show and learn more about it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, do you, apart from when you're doing NXG, do you think, do you find yourself using DQMH for everything now, Matthias? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much everywhere, yeah, except as you said in NXG where uh, scripting is not uh, yet implemented in the NXG, so it's not it's not the fault of DQMH really, it's it's because it's missing, you know, the the the, the, the one of the biggest features of DQMH is that it writes the code for you, it, it scripts your project, so uh, scripting Absolutely. is not available in NXG yet, it's going to be at some point, so uh, we you know, I still basically use regular QMH in, in NXGs because I like this architecture mm. of a QMessage mm. handler, but not with the QMH. Other, other than that, uh, yeah, in the past projects, I didn't find any situation where the QMH was not suitable uh, compared to uh, Actor Framework or other, um, other framework that that would definitely be able to do the job. Uh, but I'm mm -hmm. using DQMH. Uh, I like it. Uh, it, it. It's our framework now at Studio Buds. And I didn't find any project where it, it, it would not work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. And so I'm curious to know then, right, you've got, you're, you, you're well and truly using DQMH with your standard lab view. When you go to LabVIEW NXG, are there any habits you find yourself doing in NXG? You don't have DQMH, you know, the tool set, but you still have the mentality. You know, do you find yourself applying any rules or, or guidelines or, or, or going about things on the NXG side that's, that, that borrows from DQMH and that, and that yeah, philosophy? Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know if it borrows to DQMH or to the QMH itself, but we, we had a lot of discussion with DQMH to try to make uh, as, as, uh, operations uh, as, as small as possible and don't unqueue operations for uh, new, new DQMH cases from DQMH cases, you know, try to, uh, to avoid uh, uh, to avoid the possibility of race conditions by, by doing mm. that and definitely even without DQMH, by uh, using standard QMH, uh, you you try to apply the the same rule of having very atomic operations in, in, yes. inside uh, every case. So uh, that definitely comes from my experience of using DQMH heavily. Um, and uh, the, the error handling also is so well done in DQMH. You 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 know that. If you follow simple rules, you're not going to miss any error, and uh, then it's easy to ignore the one that needs to be ignored and catch the others. Uh, yes. So, in terms of error handling, I am also reusing the same principles uh, in, in NXG, mm. uh, the same mechanism of reporting the errors from the, the bottom to the top. Yeah, okay, good, good. All right, so um, from your opinion, and you're probably going to say anything, but um, <laughs> What application types is DQMH well suited for? Uh, yeah, that, 
I would like to say anything, but it's probably a, a too uh, easy, easy answer. But anywhere you can isolate some process into into an API. So pretty much any any library could be refactored or augmented by a DQMH module. Uh, as soon as you have an API in a library and you start to create, you know, a test VI, test VI to test your API and you create like independent VIs external to your library. Like Finally, maybe why not creating a, a converting this API into a DQMH and the API tester mm -hmm. will be built for you and then you have the error handling, error reporting, the status logging uh, given for free to you. So this type of situation, I yeah. think uh, converting your API uh, into a DQMH module is uh, is a very good idea. Um, when you want, yeah, I you agree with that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can pack, you can really abstract it out nicely. You know, if you've got a, if you've got um, the DQMH module, you can. You know, put a lot of the um, heavy lifting, the management of the of the module is hidden away. It makes the API actually quite clean and simple. You're not passing references and things down and yeah, back. Exactly. It, you just pass in the basics. Yeah. You just focus on developing the, the, the feature, the specific feature of, of your API. Uh, so that, that, that's really helpful and uh, really helps to... Uh, Componentize your code to make more discrete modules, and uh, uh, you know, I, I will define a module by something where you can define its responsibility. I mean, I'm not defining that, but people define a module by something you can define with uh, its responsibility with a single sentence without and or a simple sentence. Mm -hmm. uh, so, a module has a single responsibility, and it knows about that single responsibility and that. It so it helps a lot with componentizing your code, makes it making it easier to uh, develop your application with multiple team members that, that can work on in independent modules but still part of the same application. Absolutely, uh, at the end, and yeah. uh, helps in a lot, a lot of things. The componentization, the modularity uh, helps to debug, uh, give a, a lot of new opportunities when when deploying your code, being able to push smaller updates uh, by up updating only the modules that you, you touched. Uh, so it's a, it's a very, very, very key point in software uh, development, I believe. Hmm. So what, what do you think, um, can you tell us about you know, what's the best application where DQMH proved itself to you? Uh, yeah, I, I answer that, but I, I would like just to add something about uh, the, the type of applications where DQMH is well uh, suited for. Uh, also, uh, uh, I, I realized that uh, the clonable and the singleton type of modules in DQMH. So you have two types of modules, the singleton when you can instantiate only one instance of the module mm -hmm. and the clonable where you can run as many instances. Uh, that's something really awesome. So when you have things that Indeed. maybe initially you don't know if it may or may not run multiple instances concurrently, DQMH <laughs> uh, is really well suited for that because you, you create a clonable module, a clonable module, for example, for a RS-232 device and uh, 
uh, initially in your application, you have only a single RS-232 device. And one day the customer comes and wants to add another RS-232 device. Oh, you already have the module. It's a clonable module. You start a new instance mm -hmm. and a big code base is already there. So in this type of applications where you may or may not run concurrent, uh, concurrently uh, some modules, uh, the KMH is uh, really uh, well suited and uh, And again, this, this, this RS-232 clonable module, you're going to reuse it across many, many projects. Uh, so when you want reusability, the QMH is a, is a very good option as well. Yeah, we, we've, we've got a few of those projects. Like in the last one we just did, we had five barcode scanners, which all with a COM port. So yeah, just created a clonable module for the barcode scanner and just in the app application, you kick off five of those and assign each one a different COM port and away you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think you uh, yeah, you asked me then uh, one of the best apps where uh, I used uh, DKMH. Was, well, yes. That's your question, yeah. That is, uh, yeah. So, so my biggest DKMH project is uh, is BLT. Uh, BLT is being being rewritten since al already a couple of years, but it's being entirely rewritten using uh, DKMH. Uh, so there is over 60 DKMH modules in BLT now, and, and it's going to increase. <laughs> yeah, it's going to increase <laughs> a, a lot. And, so that, uh, is that the biggest DKMH application? you've seen 60 plus modules because we've got we're up to about 2025 is our max so that sounds pretty impressive yeah uh i believe that's the biggest uh, i i i i worked with the lacor on uh, i worked with the lacor on a project where we have also a lot of dqmh modules maybe right. maybe probably over 40 but definitely not 60 <laughs> Uh, and 60, as I said, it's just the beginning and I'm going to explain why. Um, by having a, a, by using a combination of uh, UIs that are vertically splitted and horizontally splitted, so we have two VIs, one splitted verti vertically and another splitting horizontally. And in each pane, you put a sub-panel. Then imagine in each sub-panel, you can embed either a DQMH module or either another UI that is vertically splitted or horizontally splitted, uh, then you can right. really build uh, infinite type of, of UIs and uh, embed the content that you need at the time you need and reuse that UIs across the different places of the application. So by wow. using this uh, design, of course, we- need we'll an 8K monitor for that. <laughs> 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 you can, but it also works well on, on tiny monitors. Uh, <laughs> but definitely, in, in this situation, you want to have very, uh, very uh, reusable UIs that you can use as uh, you, you don't you don't want to copy past code never. So you want to have as mm. many, uh, modules that are very reusable. So, um, uh, yeah, like a, a list box could be a DQMH module that you embed in the left part of your application, and then you have a property page that is another DQMH. So any UI is going to be its own DQMH module in, in the new BLT. So that brings a lot of DQMH uh, modules. Uh, the, 
the server part of BLT of BLT is also leveraging DQMH a lot. Um, we have in our requirements to be able to uh, handle several thousands of simultaneous connections on servers. Uh, each connection coming from the internet involves also a connection to a local database on, on the server. And uh, we use DQMH cloneable modules to uh, establish kind of a gateway between, not really a gateway, but uh, to establish the connection between the database and, and the, the web client. So we needed to make sure that we, with DQMH, we could run start and stop thousands DQMH modules concurrently that open the connection to a database, make a query to that database and, and get a good response time. So we were able to measure that to some benchmarking and, uh, and the results okay. were just impressive. Uh, whether we run 10 modules or 1000 modules, uh, we, we, we don't have a big drop in the response time of from the, the the database, so that's really reassuring, Matthias, for for people to know the the extent that we've gone to testing DQMH. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it's it's <coughs> people want to know that that it's been tested on large applications uh, heavily, and uh, yeah, uh, very very not surprised, but uh, really glad to see uh, this kind of results. Uh, when you found a framework, you hope it's going to work for everything, and so far it's been the case. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. Let's talk about how you use DQMH and how you extend it. How do you go about your DQMH design? So you've got a new project. Talk us through your design process. Uh, so the first part of, uh, of defining, uh, of, 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 of working on, on, on a new project for me is um, uh, it's really defining the architecture. So identify the modules you're going to need. Uh, that, that's one of the first parts after you worked on the requirements. You want to identify, okay, what modules and DQMH modules are I, I going to need? And um, as we get more and more experience, this exercise is uh, easier project after project. Uh, it, it's a lot more yeah. easier now to identify, okay, I need this, 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 because not all the projects are the same, but they have still a lot of similarities. Uh, so it's really yeah, defining uh, mm. defining what modules I can need. Then now I take the assumption also to always create all my modules as clonable modules. Uh, I was not right. maybe doing that initially. Uh, but since I don't remember which version, maybe 3.1, you can run a cloneable module as a singleton. That's so, right. and, and the opposite is not true. So, uh, you mm, mm. better, uh, having a cloneable that you run as a singleton rather than having a singleton that you need to refactor into a cloneable. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You said before, wasn't it? You said you might have one RS232 device, for instance, and then all of a sudden the customer goes, now, now we want it to talk to two or more. Um, if you've already got that as a clonable um, by default, it's the an easy transition. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we do that for all of our devices. We haven't really done it for modules where, like, a UI, might, a we might just have one UI. database. Yeah, oh, or, yeah. Or a specific UI. Yeah, specific UI that you know are going to be used only in that location. It applies only to that location mm. in the software. And that, yeah, for UI, I, cre I create maybe less uh, clonable modules, but for uh, headless modules, it's always clonable in my situation. Yeah, well, that's a good tip. Uh, so, um, 
Sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, and 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 creating templates also. We st we started uh, more and more creating templates because as soon as we find okay, I I've already done this module for another project. Don't copy past. Create a template immediately, and now you can recreate your module from templates, and it's a really nice DKMH uh, feature. Uh, so How many templates would you say you have now, Matthias? Not a lot, but probably four, five, uh, you know, templates for device drivers, for UI module, one for data logging, one for DB communication, uh, probably that. But I have the, the opportunity for a lot more. It's, it's, mm. it's just that I didn't come yet to that project where I know I already done the same thing for another project. Um but yeah, there, there is room for a lot more uh, templates. Um, I was a late user of, of that feature, uh, but it's really powerful. So, do you do you map anything out? Do you do, do a diagram of any description, whether it's a module diagram to sort of show the the interfaces, or do you do a you know a sequence diagram? Yeah, yes, do you do any um, of that sort of thing? And sometimes just the customer is asking for the, the, this kind of documentation or you want to give this kind of documentation to the customer so, uh, so that they, they can relook at the code after you. Uh, so definitely I, I've done many sequence diagram using web sequence diagram where you identify your modules and uh, the, mainly the request and the broadcast going through, through your modules. I, I would say... Initially, that I found it was maybe a drawback of TQMH that it becomes so easy, easy to create very large applications involving a lot of modules that then if you don't have a way to document that, you can get lost uh, mm. when you come back in a, in a project later. Okay, who, who calls who and where? Yeah, um, yeah. And maybe that that's parallel. the time to uh, mention uh, Antidoc from uh, Olivier Jourdan and his company, uh, Uvalab, uh, who just released uh, a toolkit for ge uh, generating automatically uh, this type of documentation. And it's been uh, extensively tested on the QMH projects. Uh, yeah. So it's not a drawback cool. anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's really powerful. Uh, I, like, it's only at the very infancy of its. Um, development i think this tool but um yeah i, I gave it a run the other yeah, day and because uh, i remember spending you know 20 30 hours on writing a web sequence diagram project for uh, a large mm. application and uh, knowing that now we have the anti-doc toolkit uh, that can uh, <laughs> generate pretty much the same output very well rendered uh, in a click of a button and you take a cup of coffee coffee and uh, it's done uh, it, uh, it's really yeah. awesome uh, and it, it's not the part that we like generating documentation so uh, definitely it's a, it's a game changer I believe in the DQMH community and uh, in the LabVIEW ecosystem in general because Antidoc is not only for DQMH it generates documentation for your uh, libraries in the project that's right the yeah, classes. Also the classes mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to having a chat with Olivier about that in an upcoming episode. Tell us then, how are you extending DQMH? How what's what's your spin on things? Maybe you're going to be surprised, but I don't extend a lot DQMH. I I really use DQMH as it is. Mm -hmm. I don't think I use any. DQMH plugin like the MGI panel manager. I, I have kind of my 
on equivalent definite yeah equivalent uh, which was part of blt development uh, and was done before the mgi uh, panel uh, came out uh, I, I use very often the dqmh unit tests uh, that are part of the toolkit where you can create a unit test for your uh, for your dqmh requests uh, so it, it it creates the setup VI that starts your module, the teardown VI that stops your module, and the, the test VI that calls your request. So uh, I, I'm I'm a fan of uh, of unit tests. Uh, so what what um, unit testing package do you use that with? Uh, historically, a GKI VI tester, but I, I try to use Karaya on, on newer projects now. Uh, I find it more user friendly and a lot more uh, quicker to, to load when you load your project. It, it, it loads a, right. a lot less dependency memory and uh, quicker to execute as well, execute tests. Uh, so yeah, I use both, but I think I'm moving into the direction of using maybe only Karaya in your projects. Yeah. Talking about BLT, Matthias, mm-hmm. BLT um, for the listeners is Build Licensed Track and it's a tool that people can use to facilitate easy deployment of their LabVIEW applications to the world. To the world, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want to just give us a quick rundown on that and, and how you're now rewriting BLT and DQMH? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely it was the... In- so BLT probably was written for Studio Buzz at first. Studio Buzz was releasing application. He wanted, they wanted to make sure, Studio Buzz wanted to make sure first that the application would not get copied and reused uh, illegally uh, through their competitor, customer competitors and things like that. So... Uh, it was feeling a need that we had at StudioBots first to protect an application. And also, so that was the first feature. And then it was, okay, we need to make an update. It, it's too complex to uh, put that on a web server, send a link with a zip file the customer need to extract and put in the right location. And maybe there is a yeah, copy it. Exactly. You have to go and copy it into program files. I hate yeah. telling people that, right? So that, that, that really was the second point that I wanted to, 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 to sort out, to solve. And, you know, and the third point, the, the tracking, it's I, I wanted to, to know when there was an error. I wanted to know about that error, maybe even before the customer. Or I wanted to have... I didn't want to ask the customer to take a picture of the screen and, mm. and have, him re- have him reporting words that he doesn't understand, etc. So I wanted a, a way that the error that gets generated in, by LabVIEW inside the application gets reported to me in a developer language. Uh, so that was really the starting of, of BLT. And uh, obviously, uh, we found out that uh, there was uh, no other alternative in the LabVIEW ecosystem. And... Uh, Mm. We were really filling a gap. So BLT uh, has been released publicly in 2012. And uh, as of today... Oh, eight years uh, now. 
yeah, it's quite used and uh, it's uh, deploying more than, I don't have the exact numbers, but definitely more than 5,000 license deployments uh, all around the world uh, today managed by, yeah. by BLT. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were also quite impressed of the, of the success. And um, in every project where I work, I try to focus on the user experience. So mm. uh, I wanted something where, okay, a developer is maybe not a release manager, he's a developer, he wants to build something and make it available to the world. It has to be simple. It doesn't have to build with, okay, how do I create an installer? How do I push updates? How how do I create a secure licensing system, etc. So mm. that was really the 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 driving line of uh, the development of BLT making it easy to use uh, for developers who just want to uh, publish something. Yeah, well, look, we, uh, as I said earlier, we we use it at Wired.in. I think I discovered it. um, I think I first heard about it on the VI Shots podcast. I think that's where I first heard about Probably, you yeah. and and BLT, and then I met you at uh, NI Week about three years ago and learned a bit more about it then. And, and we use it for a customer here, and they have testing machines. They they build lab soil testing instruments, mm-hmm. um, and they've got these things in Australia. They've got them in Europe, America, uh, all around the world. So um, they can jump on, or I can jump on. Uh, and see where all the deployments are. We can easily, you know, upgrade to the to the new version. We can we can we can create a beta if we just want to just update it and test it locally. Uh, uh, we can see the errors coming back from all of the stations and 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 help diagnose the problems it's it's extremely powerful yeah we have also um, many uh, customers uh, using it just internally because it's it's so easy to update all your the machines in your company uh, so uh, yeah. they use it internally or maybe for customers but just at the beginning while they are in the development stage and they want to show uh, progress to the customer and once you know the project is done and the customer is happy and everything they they just remove the blt dependencies from the project uh, because they don't need to really push update anymore so that's also the kind of situation but just to mention mm-hmm. that uh, you can use blt for free uh, f- f- uh, when you de- uh, deploy a single application uh, up to five computers and there is no time limitation and we also have uh, companies that use blt for free since the beginning and uh, it was enough you know these five ma- uh, five machines one product was enough for them and they use it for free uh, since the beginning and uh, we are not angry about this we we, we are glad uh, they were able to make it work with the free version and they're still using it yeah well that's excellent uh we're looking to see how we can build it into our general framework of all our customers uh we, you know looking at how we can better support our customers this is a great way to just stay connected and if they have problems you're already a step ahead of them almost you know because you can see if you keep an eye on the on on the deployments so I'm looking forward to seeing the new version of BLT 
written in DQMH, Matthias? We, we are looking forward. I am the I'm the first. Believe me. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a time frame, or you don't, don't want to get? Uh, I try to give a time frame that I didn't respect in the past, so uh, I'll try to not fall into <laughs> into this again. Uh, as you understand, the Studio Buds is is first uh, also a consulting company. Uh, so we we work for customers. We deploy custom solution. We develop custom solutions for them. So that that's uh, our primary uh, business. Uh, BLT, uh, even if it's uh, the the adoption is quite interested and it's used by many customers and we have so many deployments, uh, it's not enough to to make the business uh, entirely uh, working. So uh, it's always trying to balance between you know putting imagine. investing in the development of uh, internal uh, of a, of a home product and uh, which is BLT and uh, and doing consulting which really brings money into the bank account (laughs) yeah no you've got to pay the bills so moving on how do you um, obviously you work on your own for the most part but when Mm -hmm. you're bringing other people into your team even if they are experienced dqmh developers what's is there anything about the process with bringing them on board so yeah, as you said, we uh, so I'm the only developer in the company, but we we we, we uh, I work with other uh, other developers on bigger projects and uh, uh, mainly with DQMH trusted advisors. So they are already experts in, in DQMH. So uh, bringing them into the DQMH world is not uh, is not uh, is not a problem. And if if they are not DQMH trusted advisor, usually they already use DQMH, so they are familiar uh, with, with it. Um, it's more for the customer. Sometimes the customer never heard about DQMH. Is we we uh, presented the the framework to to him because we we believe that's the best framework to use in, in his project and we know mm-hmm. he kind of wants to maintain the application after we we are done with the project and maybe do some additions so at this point we need to kind of train him to dqmh so uh, to do this we use the resources that have, are available publicly and there are a lot but definitely uh, on the there is a lot of uh, YouTube videos uh, on how to do this and that in DQMH. So you can find those uh, from the delacorde.com website. The DQMH documentation itself is really good and is also pointing to these uh, YouTube videos as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And uh, a couple of blog posts also uh, are really useful. For example, I believe if you start working with DQMH, you you, you should get familiar with uh, helper loops very quickly. You're probably going to need helper loops uh, uh, in your project. So uh, helper loops, mm. probably the, the best resources I found was uh, p- um, blog posts written by uh, York Hempel from uh, Hempel Software Engineering. But all those yes. re- resources are uh, collected and displayed on the Lacor.com website. Uh, Fabiola takes really care of always trying to keep up to date the list of useful resources. So that's my best place to go to uh, uh, to bring someone into DKMH. And the, the videos that Tom McQuillan's created too are a really good intro. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Tom McMillan yeah, did a, yeah. a, a podcast and some videos. Uh, uh, and I'm sure we're going to get uh, other experienced developers sharing also their experience, their tips, their tricks. And... Uh, uh, and the, the, we're going to get more and more content as we go. 
Yeah, yep. Shameless plug, Wired In Software VI Week video. Check it out on YouTube. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, Matthias, we're, we're, we're the converted yeah. uh, with, with when it comes to DQMH. Is there anything about DQMH that makes it a little bit vulnerable or is there any drawbacks that you see that you need to be aware of to, to make sure that, you know, you don't? I believe as any framework, there are some considerations you, 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 you need to be aware so you, you, you're not going to fall into obvious traps or maybe not obvious traps, but you know, there are probably traps in, in every framework. Uh, so DQMH uh, is the same. There, there are things that uh, uh, when you work on something and it doesn't work as you expect and you troubleshoot, you troubleshoot and you find the solution. Okay, you, you know that solution for the future. So yeah, I can share a few that, uh, that I faced before. Um, Please. For example, uh, and maybe this one has been solved. I'm not 100% sure in the last DQMH release, but starting and stopping modules very often and very quickly, like having a lot of simultaneous web clients, connecting, mm. disconnecting. Sometimes you, you can lose the references of your, of your events because there was probably, uh, I believe this has been solved, but if, if not, I'm going to share my, my tip on, on this. Uh, create a dummy module. So a module that you start at the beginning of your application and that you never close. So you're sure that by having a, a module that yeah. is never closed, it's always running, even if you never asked anything to that module, it maintains the references of the user events. Uh, so that, that's something that uh, I spent some time troubleshooting this uh, at the time. So when you start and stop modules very often and quickly create a dummy module. D- did you say dummy mod- module? Dummy module. Dummy module. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one. Uh, I say it already. Familiarize yourself with helper loops because that's uh, also an architecture, a well-defined architecture inside DQMH that you can use inside DQMH. And the helper loops allows you to do uh, periodic operations without uh, and making sure that you maintain uh, the periodicity of your operations and that you don't disturb the event loops and the message handling loops. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's something you're going to want when you deal with hardware where you want to do some uh, pooling or when you want to monitor things at a, uh, at a certain frequency, etc. So familiarize yourself with the helper loops that are also good because otherwise you're going to try maybe to make it another way, which will probably not be as good as using helper loops. Um, uh, I, I can attest to that. that in our early days, we just assumed you had to fit everything into those two, two loops, loops that you get, your event loop and your message handling loop. And so we just tried to make it all work in there. And then it occurred to us, that's just your framework. Yeah. That's your starting point. You don't have to lock it in there. You know, if you need a supporting loop, build so a helper. We felt into the same, more. the same traps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you can have more than two loops in your yeah. DQMH main VI, definitely. And uh, yeah, I, I feel exactly the same thing as you just described. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, another thing is, uh, and I said it already, you're better creating a clonable module that you're going to start as a singleton rather than figuring out later that you created a singleton and you need finally uh, clonable. So, yeah, uh, yeah unless Good it's tip. a very specific thing, you know you're 100% sure it's going to be used only a single time, create a clonable module. And worst case, you launch it as a, you start it as a, as a, sing, as a singleton. And uh, the last but not the least, the maintain the API tester. Uh, always keep it up to date. Don't fall into the trap or, oh, if it works, I, I, I tested it once and I'm not going to, going to test it ever again. I don't need to maintain an API tester. No, that, that's the, probably probably one of the best features of DQMH. So maintain your API tester. Don't be lazy on that. It's going to really, really help you for sure. I can guarantee you that it's going to help you for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's not that hard to keep it up, keep it maintained. No, really not, really not. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty much yeah, that. Right. The, 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 there's some good, there's some good um, feedback there. So we've talked about you know the, the drawbacks. Um, are, are, do you think there's still are there some problems that are still yet to be solved in DQMatch? Um, problems? I don't feel that. And again, I'm also always working in same type of things, so I I, I don't feel that. But definitely some improvements. To, it would be not honest to say that something cannot be improved. There is always room for improvement. I found that DQMH can be, uh, so the scripting tool can sometimes be slow to load when you work in a project with a lot of DQMH modules. Every time you want to create a new event, yeah. it's going to re-list all the modules and it can, mm. can take, you know, a couple seconds and you find that annoying, annoying when you create events and events again, and again. And so there might be some uh, optimization that is uh, possible. Uh, and uh, I didn't talk with the, the lack team uh, regarding this uh, really deeply so uh, definitely I should to discuss I should discuss this with them to see if there is some uh, optimization that could be made that, that that's one thing that annoyed me a little bit um, one of my feature requests also that uh, I would like to see implemented uh, is uh, being able to duplicate events I find out that sometimes in some modules there are many requests that are very similar so for example you deal with a serial device, you're going to need probably 10 or 15 requests where you need in the message handling loop to unbundle the visa resource and do a write and read and uh, uh, Okay, okay, it's not the same command for each thing, but uh, uh, so you, you redo the same code uh, many times. So uh, b being able to just duplicate an event and modify what needs to be modified. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see uh, this feature, but uh, uh, yeah. I just need to be patient. I'm sure it's going to be implemented at, at some point. Uh, oh, look, and I think Delacor has been really responsive to our um, feature requests, especially the trusted advisors request. So for that alone, it's been well worth being part of this group, you know, the part of the trusted yeah. advisors group. Absolutely, I'm not worried at all about those drawbacks because uh, I know if they can be addressed, they're going to be. Yeah, no, Fabio Fabiola and her team are constantly improving the product. There's there's no doubt about that. I think um, that, that you, you raised an interesting, a good point before the, the new feature request 
aspect on the NI website uh, under the Delacour mm-hmm. toolkits part of the forum. It's a great opportunity for people to share their uh, ideas. And I, I jumped on there only a couple of days ago and was blown away with some of the ideas that some things I'd never would have thought of. Yeah. And may, maybe I'll never need, but you just, now that there's, you know, a lot of people using DQMH, people have come out with all sorts of different ideas. So, yeah, it's you really know. awesome to see uh, all yeah. those ideas yeah, that come together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to add that also at some point, I uh, I would love to see a DQMH uh, in uh, LabVIEW NXG, but uh, for that, it, it, it's NI that needs to make some progress on the on the scripting API. But uh, uh, that's also yeah something that uh, need, needs to be solved in, in the future, and, uh, and and it will definitely. It's part of NI's roadmap to have scripting soon, so uh, it's going to come. Just need to be patient. Will that be double the work for Fabiola and her team when that finally does arrive? <laughs> uh, it, it should be great. You know, pretty pretty straightforward. It should be quite pretty straightforward. Uh, maybe not all, but I. It's not going to double the work, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's good. So we need to sort of wrap this up now, Matthias. It's been a great chat. I could keep talking to you for hours on BLT and and LabVIEW, NXG, WebVIs, and things. Um, I just like to reflect on the um, what's coming up in the future. What's next for DQMH in your eyes and and your journey? Definitely continue using DQMH. Uh, I don't see any reason uh, in a new project uh, why I could not use DQMH. And uh, definitely uh, a little bit pain I feel when I go back to all projects that were developed before DQMH came out is that I would love this to be implemented with DQMH. So uh, Mm. I'm trying as soon as I have to touch portion of code that is not implemented with DQMH to refactor. Uh, if I identify something that can be refactored into DQMH, uh, I try to do it. So yeah, I guess that the, that's part of my journey. Uh, it's uh, it's really trying to make all the code base uh, written uh, in a standard way. And uh, any, any module, standalone module, uh, I believe uh, in my code base should be DQMH module now it, it will help a lot so uh, that's the mm. that's the future yeah and uh, and uh, look more at the feature requests and uh, put more feature requests also because uh, we can make DQMH uh, even more powerful I believe and see it in NXG of course and see it in NXG you're right yeah well Matthias it's been a lovely chat and uh, thank you so much for being part of our podcast today. Thanks to you Chris um, it was uh, really really pleasant to have this discussion. Well um, we look forward to um, you know hearing more from you in the future with, with regard to the BLT release. Sure can't, can't on me I'll keep you posted. 